verse is uh, one that helps us to meditate on a reality that uh, all of us need in asking the Lord to search our hearts. He certainly will show us. Is there any wicked way in our heart? He'll, he'll do it through his word. And to his word we turn. We're in Matthew chapter 10. And we begin this morning at verse 40. Verses 40, 41, and 42. Three verses in our text. Matthew chapter 10, beginning at verse 40. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. From the word of God this morning, I'll take as a subject for these verses, service and reward. Christian discipleship may be compared to the two sides of a coin. On one side, there are hardships, opposition, and persecution, even leading to martyrdom in many cases, even as I speak. All of these uh, things come from the world. On the other side of the coin is the promise of reward. The words of Jesus present both sides of the discipleship coin. In verses 16 through 39, verses we've already covered in previous studies, we see our Lord, he draws attention of his original disciples to the darker side of following him. In the present verse, the verse before us, our Lord elaborates on the brighter side of following him. He speaks about spiritual rewards for those who are his and those who receive him. Rewards are bestowed on those who have a saving relationship with him and from which service to him and his people ensues. I'm going to use um, one heading for all three verses. Disciples rewarded. You got that? I know it's kind of complex. Many people, verse 40, reject the gospel. But many people receive the gospel. These words were given to the apostles, the twelve, the disciples, the original ones, the ones in verse 40. But by extension, they apply to all believers. Jesus says, the one who receives you receives me. They receive the messenger. They receive the message. And the subject of the message, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's fascinating that they will receive him, they receive us. The reality is that we, uh, Jesus lives in us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
when a person meets you and you're a child of God, who they're meeting is not only you, but they're seeing Christ because he lives in you. We are his ambassadors, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So when we come to people with the message of Christ, as the original apostles did, we, they are receiving him. Now, the word receives in our text is further explained in Luke chapter 10, verse 16. When Jesus was commissioning the 70 to go into the harvest, you may recall, to go into the harvest with the gospel, he says, the one who listens to you listens to me. Now, we understand that listening in this text, the one in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, is not a matter of hearing an audible presentation of the gospel only. Jesus wasn't saying the sound waves will come to your ears, their ears, and that's it. No, no, he means more than that. Rather, it is the reception of the gospel received by faith. That's what he means. See, the opposite of listening in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, is rejection. Thus, defining what our Lord means by the former word, listening. Listening is tantamount to believing. When someone really listens to the gospel truly in a saving relation way, they are believing the gospel. Now, in our text, verse 40, chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus' words tell us that he and the Father are distinct persons. Distinct persons in the Godhead. Notice something. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Um, They are distinct persons in the gospel, in the Godhead, I should say. But they are inseparable in salvation. Let me put it like this. A person cannot have one without the other. One cannot have God without Christ. Jesus made this clear in his teachings about the inseparability of the two and why you must have one to have the other. In John chapter 8, Jesus elaborates on knowing the Father. In verse 19 of John 8, as I just mentioned, Jesus answered and said, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. What Jesus is saying here is, those who reject the Son give proof that they do not know the eternal Father. Anyone who says, I I, uh, reject Christ, I have my own religion, I, I, I believe in God, but they refuse Christ as Savior and Lord, Jesus says, you don't know God the Father. You have no relationship with him. Furthermore, people who don't know him, who reject Christ, they demonstrate that they hate God the Father. John chapter 15, verse 23 says this, He who hates me hates my Father. person hates Jesus, they hate God the Father. There's no way around that. It's a fact of spiritual reality. The Apostle John, who initially heard this message with the others, 
He echoed and elaborated on Jesus' teaching about himself and the Father. In fact, in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John, if you'd like to go there, you may. You have my permission. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2. It's good you can see it for yourself. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to read the text. But you can see it for yourself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Here is John, the Apostle John. And he says, Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? The Christ means the Messiah. There are those who are denying the reality that Jesus, the, uh, the one from Nazareth, is the Messiah. He's a liar. He calls him the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father, get that, and Son. Now, verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Is that not clear? One doesn't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to understand this part of the text, right? The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let me just take a moment to explain a little further what's going on here. The apostle states the critical importance of a right view of Jesus. It's, it's the right view of Jesus is essential to salvation. One has to believe he is Messiah. One must believe that. It's critical. The one who denies the Son does not have the Father. If you re reject the Son... Father is not. You, you, you can't have salvation apart from both of them. You must understand, too, that he is the, Jesus is the God-man. You also must obey his word. So I've given you three texts that tell us the reality of who Jesus is and why you must receive him and the Father. There's going to be real salvation. And that's what Jesus is saying. Now, back in our text in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, he says, He who receives me receives him who sent me. Is that not clear? Who sent him, God the Father sent him into the world on a saving mission, and the one who receives Christ receives the Father. So get this. When we go to people and share the gospel and they receive us and our message, they're receiving Jesus and the Father. Think about that next time you're evangelizing. Think about that the next time you want to share the gospel with someone. Understand what's at stake here. It's just not some message from some person who walks up to them or whatever the circumstance may be and you want to share the truth of Christ with them. Do understand Christ lives in you and you're sent by him and the Father sent Christ and so they're being confronted by you, the Son, and the Father. That's the reality. Jesus continues. Verse 41, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. The prophet is a divine spokesman for God. He proclaims the word of God. He foretells 
of course, a prophet can foretell. They can predict the future. But here it's the foretelling of the truth. It's what Jesus is talking about. This divine spokesman is giving a message about Christ. And the one who believes the prophet's words. He comes into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And you, you'll notice here in the text, in verse 41, that he will receive a righteous, man, a righteous man's reward. The prophet will receive a reward for his faithful ministry on behalf of Christ. That's what I want to say. And amazingly, now notice this, and amazingly, the one who receives the prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Do you see that? You say, wow, how is that? Let me tell you, God is gracious. He is gracious in unexpected ways. <laughs> he reward the one who received the prophet's message hmm. with a reward. Next thing here in verse 41. And he who receives a righteous man, see that? In the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, we need to unpack this. First of all, we need to understand that a righteous man has already been identified in Matthew's gospel. He is a, shall I put it like this, a beatitude man. Remember the beatitudes? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 in particular says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. This righteous man, his righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. As he, Jesus said, it must in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. And the righteousness exceeds those that the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is because it is internal. It isn't simply external. It's on the inside. It is sincere. It is not hypocritical. It is not a kind of righteousness that is done simply to be seen by men. Further, the righteous man is in the kingdom of heaven, having entered through the narrow gate by faith in Christ. Matthew seven thirteen. Further, a righteous man or woman is one who obeys God's will by following Jesus. And they can follow Jesus and obey his will because they've been transformed by the saving grace of Jesus. They want to do his will. And they do do his will. That's a righteous man. Now notice, further in the text, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Whatever the righteous man gets, the one who receives a righteous man will receive a reward too because a righteous man lives by the word of God and he does the will of God and he will be rewarded by the Lord. The person who receives a righteous man will receive Christ and he'll serve Christ and he'll receive reward. There's another entity, another group. Maybe we could put it like that. We, we've seen the apostles, by extension us. We've seen the righteous man, by extension us. Here's the third, verse 42. And whoever 
in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink. Truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Little ones here is not a reference to little children. It is a reference to children of God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, I believe it tells us this. I also believe that in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, when Jesus talks about the least of these, my brother, that brethren, that's who he's talking about. Why does he say little ones? Believers who seem to be unimportant and insignificant. That's who the little ones are. But they're not unimportant or insignificant to Christ. They're quite, quite important to him. Significant to him. They may not be an apostle, but they're significant to Christ. You notice in the verse it says, he shall not lose his reward. The person who will give a cup of cold water, a person who will help that believer, that believer will not lose his reward. In fact, Jesus wanted to make this quite clear. He uses a double negative in the Greek. It's an emphatic negation. You will by no ways, by no means, lose your reward. Now, in this case, you can't. You can't lose your reward, that's for sure. Uh, that you're going to get when you do that. When you minister to one of God's people. I think this is an important text to look at as well. In Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. See the living word of God. What it says concerning this issue. Rewards. True believers will are fit in this text. Hebrews 6. Verse 9. Let's start there. You see, you, see, you see verse 9, what it says. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. People who go, are truly born again. And things that accompany, get this, accompany salvation. Though we're speaking in this way, the things he had to say previously. Previous verses. Now, look what it says in verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love you have shown toward his name. How do you show love toward his name in having ministered and still ministering to, what does it say? Saints. Do you not know when you minister to the saints according to the word of God, God sees that. He sees as his love toward his name, who he is, his person, and he will not forget to reward you. reward his people when will he do it that's a good question and I'm glad you asked I believe rewards will be uh, granted to the children of God beginning of the millennial kingdom and in eternity Matthew chapter 25. Eventually we're going to get there. 
you remember the parable of the talents. Talents meaning opportunity. That's what it really means. What's going on there? The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, right? And in the meantime, what God's people are doing, they're serving him, those who really belong to him. And the, really the setting here, context here, is the tribulation period, an awful period of time is coming on the world. And so serving Christ during that period of time is going to be extremely, extremely difficult. I mean, if you're really a Christian, it will be proven then. There won't be any of this la-di-da, easy, uh, floating to heaven sort of stuff. No, if you really belong to him, it'll be clearly demonstrated during that period of time because of the persecution, horror of all of that. When the Son of Man comes, verse 31, he's going to sit on his glorious throne, he says. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 25. He's going to gather all the nations, ethne, all the peoples of the world. That's what he is saying. Sheep and goat. You know the story, do you not? And he is going to lay out rewards. But I, I want you to see the one previous to that. He's going to give rewards. Jesus teaching about these things. And it says, um, after he comes back, verse 20, the one who received the five talents came up saying, brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more. He said to me, said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Joy. Enter the joy of your master. Says that to the next one too. Millennial kingdom while he's on earth. Rewards given. Responsibility given to the children of God. We won't linger there. So I have something else I want to share with you too. So the millennial kingdom but also uh, heaven. That's where primarily we'll receive our rewards. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We've seen this before. I want to refresh your memory. Matthew chapter 5 verse 12. Somebody uh, made it difficult for you because you're a Christian? They've said some nasty things to you because you're a Christian. They've done some things to you because you're a Christian. You follow Christ. And you, you've, you've encountered some opposition and some hatred because you belong to Jesus Christ. Verse 12, Matthew 5, rejoice. Be glad. You know, that's contrary. That's counterintuitive. Jesus says rejoice and be glad. People in the world say, what? Uh, no, I'm going to, we're going to even the score. And it ain't time for joy, rejoicing and being glad. It's the time for getting mad. But that is not the way Christians are to respond, right? For your reward, notice Jesus says, for your reward is great in heaven. See, that's the reality. You're out there in the world, you're serving Christ, and your Christianity is under attack, and people hate Christ, they hate you. And Jesus said, don't worry about that, just rejoice. Just be sure they're persecuted for Christ because of your walk and your godly talk. Be sure it's for that, right? So heaven, 
heaven's going to be where we receive our rewards. Now, let me tell you something else about rewards. They are eternal in nature. They will be enjoyed forever. Think about that. What do you possess right now, apart from Christ, that you're going to have forever? I'm glad you agree. Because too many Christians act like this is it. Don't they? Hmm. Do understand there's coming a new heaven and a new earth. And you're going to serve him in the new heaven and in the new earth. Revelation chapter 22 verse 3 tells us this. And in the new heaven and new earth, we will be able to serve him with perfection. We will not make any mistakes. We will never grow weary or tired, no sin, none of that. And we're going to get to do that with the, the reward that he has given to us. That's where we're headed. Also, Revelation chapter 22 tells us we'll reign with him. When's the last time you were on somebody's throne? Uh, I know the answer it has ever been. You know, they're getting ready to have the coronation in England of Charles, King Charles. He is going to be uh, the king of an empire that's in decline. He has no real power. He's just all pomp and circumstance. <laughs> but when we are going to reign with Jesus Christ, and we'll have some real authority and some real effect, and we'll be able to sit with him on his throne, his father's throne, and reign with him and use our spiritual rewards in serving him. That's where we had it. Our earthly service means there will be heavenly reward. You need to remember that those days when you get down, when you get weary uh, in serving Christ, when you, you wonder, is it worth it? Oh, yes, it's worth it all. Incomprehensibly more worthly, worthy of it all than anything else than you can even imagine. All right, I really, may I use a, a vernacular? When we get there and see what God has for us, we will have our minds blown. <laughs> the prospect of reward should motivate you to keep your focus on eternal things as a priority rather than the temporal matters. Am I right about it? I'm glad you agree. The Bible is abundantly clear about this. He says, St. Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Think about that, brothers and sisters. Everything you can see is temporary. Everything. In fact, everything that you can see in this world's order 
in this world system is passing away. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Apostle Paul points this out. Telling Christians how to relate to the world. Verse 31 is the one I want you to look at if you turn in there. Are you going to write it down? Are you looking at your mobile device? Whatever. Underscore it. Here it is. And those who use the world as though they do not make full use of it. Why does he say that? For the form of this world is passing away. The word form means, means manner of life, way of doing things, world system. Heavenly matters must not become secondary. They must be primary. You may recall in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, for the world and its lust but the one who does the will of God lives forever. That's the reality. Sad to say, Christians can get caught up in the passing away rather than concentrating on that which will be forever. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And this is a theme that runs throughout the Scripture. The Scripture teaches us to be heavenly minded, does it not? Therefore, Colossians 3, 1, if you have been raised up with Christ, and you have if you're a Christian, You've been spiritually resurrected with him. You were united to him when he died. He's buried, raised from the dead. Spiritually, you, you were united with him, and therefore you have been raised up with Christ. Under the direction of the Spirit, Paul writes, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Keep on seeking those things, godly values, heavenly values, the things that... God displays and teaches in his word. Those are the things that we're to seek. Keep on seeking them. That's to be our life. That's to dominate us. What are the heavenly values in the word of God? Seek those things. In verse 2. Set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on earth. Because we are seeing this world's passing away, right? <laughs> Set your mind up there. I wish I had the quote in hand, Jonathan Edwards. He said he's going to do everything, I'm paraphrasing, with all his might to increase his happiness in the next world. 
Jonathan Edwards understood, I'm not here forever. I'm just here for a little while. But what I do here in service to the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, it will increase my happiness in the world to come. So with all my energy, I'm going to serve him in work. I'm saved already. That's why I can do it. And I'm going to do that because I want to increase my happiness, my joy in God in heaven. I challenge you to do the same thing. Say, don't fritter away your time. And this thing, that thing, and the other thing. And give God short shrift. Because I'll tell you, as sure as I'm standing here, you will regret it. You're going to wish. It's too late. That I serve Christ better. More faithfully. Did his will. Because when you get to eternity, you won't give one wit about time. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Spend it wisely in the things of Christ. God will reward his disciples. He's given us a word of encouragement. She said, it'll get tough sometimes, it'll be rough sometimes, but do understand, I will reward you with everlasting rewards. Let's bow together in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we can live uh, our lives knowing we have certain hope. We believe your word. We thank you that our lives are not lives that are wasted could be wasted in things that ultimately will not matter. Help us to focus like our laser on the things that are eternal, no matter what is happening. So we might experience the joy of our Lord when we enter your presence, having faithfully served you. Give us that holy mindset and strengthen us to do so. We pray for any in this room here this morning who's without the Savior. They have no eternal hope whatsoever. They don't have salvation. We ask you to open their eyes and their hearts to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and have a life that will begin an eternal life, a life that matters, a life with purpose, a life of joy, forgiveness, and peace, rightly related to God. We pray you do that for their sake, but ultimately for your glory. Lord, amen.